Welcome to the Dad Bod Pod. I'm your host, Jamie Schleicher, co-host Matt McNichol, still holding out, waiting on that new contract, but we believe he'll be back this season. Today's guest, the one, the only, our editor, Zach Robbins. Hello, everybody. Good to hear your voice. The man behind the scenes, stepping to the forefront. We didn't we didn't get a pre-draft episode, so I think our audience members are feeling deprived. Mm, I understand that. I felt deprived. But luckily we could get you on pretty early in the slate here. Week one of games, episode two of season two. Um, how's, how's life going? What, what's going on in Chattanooga? As, as we wrapped up last season, there was talk of a combine and a whole draft weekend hosted at Casa de Robbins. Um, clearly that didn't happen, but I, I feel like you've had a lot going on. What's, what's life looking like for you these days? Wow. Yeah. I, I am really disappointed in everyone for bailing out on the plan. Um, there were talks of a 15 passenger van, you know, borrowing one from Trinity, driving down, caravanning, doing a whole weekend here. Uh, I was absolutely watching YouTube videos on how to do a five minute stand up comedy routine and how to write jokes. I was getting ready. I was, I was prepped. I was, um, nervous, uh, getting sweaty palms and then it just all fell apart. Um, but, uh, but I understand life happens. I'm one of the, one of the ones to have moved away. Um, certainly more, more folks than I had expected moved away from Charlottesville in the last year. Um, which, which makes sense that getting everybody in the same place isn't as feasible. Um, and yeah, lots of, lots of life changes for me, uh, here recently, there's a crying baby in the other room. That's a, that's a change, uh, new addition to the family. So learning how to be a dad, fully embracing my, my dad bod, which is a true thing. So the reality of that is that I have not exercised since the baby was born. My exercise now consists of bouncing, um, to get the baby to go to sleep. So, um, I feel like my calf muscles are really benefiting, but, um, the dad bod parts of me, um, are doing great for dad bod spirits. So not like Caleb on the other hand, having a second child and, um, actually moving away from his dad bod roots. So it's, it's impressive. Yes. <laughs> but I've, I've heard good things about bouncing. I think if you combine that with the Mediterranean diet, mm, great results. Yes. Yeah, that's the is that the dad bod diet and exercise routine? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Bouncing and the Mediterranean diet. Great. I'm in. I'm already there. Um yeah, we are also also in the middle of building a house. Um so building a baby and building a house at the same time. Um who would have thought that could be so fun? <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah, we're probably three months out from move in date. Uh, they just put the insulation in drywalls going in, uh, this week and next week. So that's an exciting step. Um, and in the midst of all that, um, we're in the process of opening a Chattanooga office for Vigit. Um, oh, really? So, yeah. So that's not yet public. Although I guess this is, uh, now public since it's on a very popular podcast, um, that is everywhere you can find a podcast near you. So there you go. There's our public announcement. We're opening a Chattanooga office. I mean, you have full editorial control. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. You, you can but, decide if that makes it to our many, many listeners or. But by, by, a, by rule, anything that is referenced as being cut, I intentionally do not cut. And it just makes I, it that much more fun. I like that. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad we, we got to break some news. That's awesome. You did. Yeah. So are you excited to no longer be fully remote when that happens? I am excited. Um, I'm certainly a, a people person. Um, and I think it's just, it, it's just an exciting, fun, new challenge. It's like creating, creating something from nothing, but with the security and backbone of a established company and business. Um, so, uh, one more dimension to figure out of, you know, hiring, people building a culture, building an office, networking in the community, being a part of the city, et cetera. So um, kind of an exciting new part of my career journey that I'm, I'm ready for. 
Yeah, that sounds incredibly exciting. Yeah. So uh, anybody wants to come join Vig at Chattanooga, we're hiring. I feel like I should do a an ad roll for Sip Recruiter right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, seems like happened? the pod the podcasty thing to do. What what happened to uh, to our sponsorships? That's true. If you're old, call Sean. <laughs> and he's gonna pay for that after. That's like it's, a you're just gonna bill him for that time, right? Yeah, but our rates are pretty low right now. It's like fifteen oh, okay. cents. Oh, okay. It's, fifteen cents of what? Thirty second read. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't even matter about slot. Pre show, mid show, end of show. All show. Yeah. Whenever you it's want just, it. We, 15 we cents. Just, every time we mention your brand, we just, we get 15 cents. That's like a royalty. It's awesome. I mean, you get what you pay for. They, yeah. You work in marketing. You know how it goes. That's true. You also work in marketing. You create, you create how it goes. It's true. Market maker over here. Yes. Hmm. Um, going back to the house thing, there's a, a crowdsourcing decision that you mm-hmm. sent out to the, the group me earlier today. Is that poll mm-hmm. still live? It is still live. Yes. It's live until I think, what is it? That's the like group me standard is 24 hours. So four 24 hours. Afternoon. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. if you have not gotten your rock vote in rock, the vote and vote for rocks. There you go. Rock and the option, rock votes. Option A or option B. It's you pretty got, exciting options. You could flip a coin. <laughs> you, you you could use your eyes and choose the one that looks best to you. You know, I'm so happy the group me is back because this gives me the opportunity to exploit that crowdsourcing uh, opportunity throughout this entire process. Just get yeah. ready. I've always envisioned this as the go-to source for home improvement projects. So... <laughs> Finally, bringing that dream into into vision. So yeah. I'm I'm excited for this this reboot season that we have going on here. Yeah, me too. It's going to be great. Well, awesome. Um, shifting into some fantasy football. What's that? It's back. That's what it is. Most <laughs> okay. importantly, I I've been waiting for this all year. Hmm. Um, literally just sitting in your living room just staring at the wall waiting for fantasy football i i haven't done a thing i haven't Mm -hmm. talked to a single person except for mock drafts right yeah so trash talk trash talking the robots in the in the mock drafts yep yep and the little kids pretending to be matthew barry and right (laughs) other other celebrities those are the best Um, so yes fantasy football yeah week one games were played they were bringing, bringing real football with it and you know, just every, everything changes. So take us through, through your process from how you were feeling post draft to how you were feeling during the games and how you're feeling now looking, looking down at the rest of the season. Oh man, that's, that's quite the roller coaster you just sent me on by it asking is. those questions. Take us on this, this whole journey. I'll take you on my roller coaster. Um, so post post draft, I felt I felt pretty good. I felt better than last year. Last year, I felt I felt like I had a I had a really old team. I, I had this strategy going into the draft that I was going to try and get value buys. So the um, those that had previously drafted in really high rounds, but this year for whatever reason, whether it was coming back from an injury or people just felt like they were aged out or done. Um, that there was opportunity like Larry Fitzgerald um, that, you know, even this year was drafted in what the, let's see, when was Larry Fitzgerald drafted? We have the data. Fitz was drafted in the ninth round and uh, dropped 21 over 21 points was a top wide receiver this first week. So who are those like value finds? That's, that's my, that was my whole approach last year and it was entirely boomer bust and it all busted. Um, it didn't help, uh, by the fact that my, uh, round two pick Devonta Freeman went down in the first half of the first game of week one, um, and was out for, I guess he was put on injured reserve and was pretty much out for the season. 
Um, and lo and behold, uh, bring you to that stop on a roller coaster ride this season. And guess what? First half, first game, my second round pick, Tyree Kill, goes down the first half and supposedly out for four to six weeks, which is not quite as bad as Sammy Watkins' doctor diagnosis of six to seven weeks. Uh, but apparently could be just a, a week by week thing. It could take a really long time. It could take four weeks. So, um, so I'm at a low point right now, really, a, really a low point of it's happened again. Um, you know, a high round draft pick has busted, you know, my, my first round draft pick, at least this, this week, uh, James Conner also did not put up great points against the Patriots who just steamrolled the Steelers. Yeah. So rough day for the Steelers all around. And, and honestly, the, the player that I felt probably the most apprehensive about is the one that actually did well, uh, which was Derrick Henry. I, I, I went in, I actually drafted Henry in both leagues that I'm in, um, in the third round and what felt really good about it, but then coming out of it was absolutely second guessing that. Um, and I was actually talking with Travis about a trade, a possible trade, um, and included Henry in, in one of those possible trades. And he was like, yeah, I'm not just, I'm just not a big Henry fan. And that even sent me down more doubt. And like, I even thought about not starting him and sure enough, he scored 28 and a half points. Um, and maybe that was just because he was playing against Caleb's team who apparently, uh, Derek Henry is Caleb's arch nemesis, but, um, he was, he was my top performer and he was the one that I felt the most doubt about. So, um, so yeah, I, I am, I, I feel like I need to plug a big hole after a, a fairly rough week one loss of, what was it like 40 points that I lost by? Um, but I have some, I have some potential up and coming stars like LaShawn McCoy, who I drafted in the, the, I think it was the third or fourth round of last year. I drafted in the 13th round this year, who I thought would be irrelevant um, after they were, after he was cut by the bills, but then picked up by the chiefs and he had a great game his first week and and showed promise of potentially being one of the lead backs in a high powered offense. So that could be a, a great late round find. Um, so I don't know if I could find, if I could find a way to plug Tyreek Hill's hole for the weeks that he's out, I'll feel okay. If, if that falls apart, then I'll feel not great. Yeah. There's my roller coaster. Yeah. No, I, I feel that on a, a couple levels of, um, Hunter Henry was my injury. So mm-hmm. that, that was a six round pick, but it's a tight end. And, mm-hmm. you know, the tight end waiver wire does not, does not look appealing right now. So no. yeah, it's, it's, it's brutal. It's less of the, the fact that it was super high draft capital. I think I, I got him in the sixth round, but more just the options that there are to replace him mm-hmm. makes that, that hole look a, a little bit bigger. Uh, at the moment mm-hmm. so i don't like that and then i th- but the, i think that i think the chargers are cursed i mean like they're they, they what did they also mention that mike williams has a knee issue now like la- remember this last year when yeah i don't like, think all he practiced of their players today. were just yeah all of their players were just falling over like dead like the chargers just have some kind of curse maybe it was the move to la that's what did it did the men could be I, I could see the curse angle playing Football, football voodoo right here. Um, and then I, I feel really good about my first two picks. I got somehow Ezekiel Elliott fell to the ninth pick and I, yeah, I huge, s- huge steal there. Smashed that draft button. Um, give me, <laughs> g- give me all the Zeke at nine. Um, did not, did not see that in any of my mock drafts. So yeah, you know, sometimes people are just wary of, of his holdout, just like Matt McNichol. You know, you never know what what's going through a guy's head. Yeah, but I didn't care, so I just I drafted him, and people did people did not want another Love Bell situation. But the thing with Bell is that you were completely fine if you drafted James Conner, and but no one drafted James Conner. Guess who got James Conner, and it wasn't in the draft, and it was Matt. Yeah, uh, it was on the waiver wire. Was it? I I thought it was late. Yeah. I thought it was a late round draft pick. I'm pretty sure you picked him up. I I think you might have gotten him in like the 15th, 16th round. Mm. Um, All right. Well, but, but it was late. So I just, I think I grabbed Tony Pollard in the ninth round. And if it had come down to it where I'm starting Tony Pollard for some games this season, 
behind the Cowboys offensive line. And there's a lot of other reasons, especially after seeing the way they played the giants. Um, a lot of the hype around Kellen Moore taking over as the offensive coordinator liked it. A lot of the things that you did with 11 personnel and a lot of motion, moving people around, disguising some of their looks, a lot more play action. Um, and just being more aggressive, taking some shots down the field. So if it had come to it and I had to play Tony Pollard for four weeks, I don't think that would have been too much of a, a hit from what Ezekiel Elliott will put up. So yeah, I got Zeke in the first round somehow at nine, and then I got Dalvin Cook coming back around and feel pretty good about his ability to be you know a top 10 running back possibly a top five running back um especially on a run first run only offense and mike zimmer loves to run and that's Mm -hmm. that's where my apprehension comes in with steph Diggs in the third if Kirk Mm. cousins is gonna pass the ball 10 times a game uh i i don't feel good about that that pick right now i guess at least at least you'll have it one way or the other right if they decide to pass then you'll be in it. If they decide just to run, then, then you'll be in it too. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'd rather have Dalvin cook getting me whatever points he's going to get me and another wide receiver on the team that likes to throw the ball, um, in the third. And then I've got Julian Edelman in the fourth who looked like he was in line for number one targets in new England. And then, Josh Gordon gets reinstated, so that's a little bit of a, okay, maybe he'll get a few less targets, and if Gordon's not there, then the A-B drama and trade happens, and now it's like, you know, is Julian Edelman still worth a fourth-round pick? I don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I don't think the A-B drama is over by any means. So it gets It gets wilder and wilder with every day. And it, like you, I don't, you don't, you don't think that something else is going to happen. And then, and then it just blows up in your face. Yeah. So who, who knows where that's going, but you know, I've got more questions about Julian Edelman than I did coming out of the draft. So I feel like Edelman, Edelman runs that same route every single play though. And it's, it's successful right every single time. Like teams can't figure out how to, how to cut off that crossing route that he runs. So and I, and and Brown, if he's in it, is not going to run that route. Right. Yeah, he'll be on the outside, mm-hmm. trying not to go over the middle. He doesn't want to do yeah. that. I feel like Ju- Julian Edelman's like a like a Robert, you know, like a, I feel like Robert ran the crossing route as a wide receiver for Auburn, right? Yeah, I need that's I, what he did. I need to hear more Robert football stories. Yeah, I, you need to get him on as a as a guest. I this was a conversation in the group me at some point, but. I want to hear Robert trash talking stories, either how much trash talk did he dish out or what was the best trash trash talk that he heard? Um, I, I need to hear those stories. I would love to hear them as well. I would love to edit those stories personally. We'll see what we can do. Great. Um, and then I feel like we've taken people through the roller coaster of our teams. Are there any teams mm-hmm. that after week one you're either more scared of? Like what's what's the one team that you're the most scared of? What's the one team that you're you're really not that that scared of? Uh, honestly, I'm probably and it pains me, pains me to say this. It's like pulling teeth. But I'm I'm probably most scared of Matt's team right now i mean all that to say like he had the biggest performance yeah. of of week one i score in week one um yeah um and and certain and certainly one week is only one week there's lots that can change between you know week one and week five and week 10 but uh if we're just basing it off of week one performance then i'm probably most scared of the team that put up the most points um it's got it's got a solid team so um, who am I least scared of? Well, let's go to the opposite end of the spectrum. Let's go to Seth's team. Not super scared of Seth's team right now, but I, I, th- I also think that he has some some underperformers 
in week one that just had a fluke week and that, that kind of all combined for a pretty bad week. I, I think that's back. gonna hinge on the Browns offensive line because that Baker Mayfield OBJ stack looked lethal coming out of the draft mm. and it did not look lethal on yep. Sunday. And code yeah, they Cody looked, was they looked in real Cleveland bad. at the game, so we can get his we can get his in person wow. evaluation of of how that looked. Mm-hmm. Um, but he got to see his Titans absolutely dismantle the Browns, and if more Sundays like that are in store, yeah, Seth's team does not look as scary as it did coming out of the draft. Yeah, and, and Cody's Cody's team is interesting too because his best picks. Um, are are from his are from the later round picks. Like his first several round picks, including the running back that he got to go and see, Nick Chubb, did not do well. Kittle didn't do well. Aaron Jones didn't do well. Kenny Galladay did okay. Cooper Cup did okay. Tevin Coleman is now injured and out for. I think they put him on IR, or no, he has a high ankle sprain, which is like anywhere from I don't know four to six weeks. Um, but then his best picks were Alshon Jeffrey, Larry Fitzgerald. Philip Rivers, Austin Hooper, Deshaun Jackson, uh, which were round seven, nine, ten, eleven, and thirteen. And Deshaun Jackson was one was a top five wide receiver this week, almost top performing wide receiver. So um, I feel like he he got some he got Absolutely. some value picks. For and sure. those those were the rounds that he was there for because he showed up a little bit late, had the auto draft at the beginning, and then had to cut out a little bit early, but. Those mid-round picks that he made, looking good at the moment. Yeah, which I guess is is where the team name comes from. First round, first round struggles, which is which is very but true. I'm very happy that auto draft didn't take Zeke for him. So that was that mm. was key for me. Could have, uh, should have. Yeah, him probably, or David actually. Johnson. Yeah, I don't know how Nick Chubb got ahead of DJ. It's bizarre how high Yahoo had Nick Chubb. Honestly, yeah, we got to find out what happened there good for algorithmically, because there are questions. Yeah, yep. I feel like we have someone that could look into yeah. that. He has to have inside connections at this point, or be be able to scrape the data somewhere. Yes, absolutely. Um, the other team that had a monster week one. High ceiling, low floor. Robert Cunningham continues his unbeaten record yes. against Sean Greer, who put up almost 150 points yep. and takes CL. Meanwhile, I had got to beat up on Seth and kick him while he was down and squeaked out a win with 90 points. So, sucks for Sean, but Robert's team, I mean, it really does have an incredibly high ceiling. Because his two lowest point scorers were his second mm-hmm. and third round pick. Um, so, you know, if those guys produce like he mm-hmm. drafted them to produce, you know, he could have pushed 200 points. But Lamar Jackson explodes. Right. Mark Ingram explodes. And, you know, he got 25 points from his kicker in defense, and that's that's always great. But T.Y. T.Y. Hilton scores multiple touchdowns. Well, David let's, Johnson. Let's, let's be rescued from horrible coaching last year and back in an offense um, that that is actually utilizing him and as a receiver scoring touchdowns again not just running up the middle so I agree with the team name it's a high ceiling but there is a low floor there as well yep Let's be clear, though, Mark Ingram, Lamar Jackson, and the Ravens' defense, all of which contributed to his high ceiling, all played the Miami Dolphins, all of whose players are actively trying to be traded. So it's just a dumpster fire of a team. Um, So Mark Ingram, Lamar Jackson, Baltimore Ravens' defense all had a great week. Maybe partially Uh, contributed by the Dolphins. (laughs) Um, which they play the Patriots next week. So the Dolphins do start your Patriots. Oh yeah. I think I saw that 
That's correct. So in the past six games, Miami is actually five and one against Patriots at home. Uh, this week, Miami opening up as 19 point underdogs at home against the Patriots. And um, yeah, wow. I, I don't think it's going to wow. be that close. So I think I think the line is accurately reflecting just how bad. Speaking of the Dolphins, that is one pick that I feel mm. terrible about now is Kenyon Drake in the fifth round. I just feel like that is. Yeah didn't help with the tonsil trade and such a talented guy i took him in the second last year and that was that was a reach at that point but all all the potential in the world yep you know it's 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 interesting though because i i like looking back at the the draft results partially because the game one of the games that i play with myself when i watch fantasy is anytime or not watch fantasy i watch football as it pertains to fantasy and whenever somebody scores a touchdown or goes off for a big, you know, run or reception, I'm like, Oh, I should have drafted him instead of whoever else. But then you go look and you didn't really have an opportunity to draft that person more than likely. Um, so there's no way that they could have been on your team. So like looking at my Kenyon Drake pick, I look at all of the, the picks after that and they did not do well either. It's like this stretch of, of, of not super great picks. Um, so like the running backs after him were Duke Johnson, James White, uh, Tevin Coleman, Philip Lindsay. Uh, let's see other running backs around there. Latavius Murray. It's like putting things into perspective is also helpful to not, not have you go full tilt and just doubt yourself every step of the way by looking at kind of what your options were. Yep. In hindsight, I I should have drafted and started people with the last name Brown. That was my takeaway <laughs> from week one. Which would be what? Antonio Brown? Uh, Malcolm Brown, mm. Marquise Brown, John Brown. AJ Brown. AJ Brown. Like, Pretty much any player from Ole Miss, actually, including Chad Kelly. Yeah, I, I would have started Chad Kelly in hindsight over Jameis Winston <laughs> week one. Except maybe stay away from Dante Moncrief. I don't know if you Did watched. Did he go to Ole Miss? He went to Ole Miss. Yeah, there was a whole wow. video. Whole ask all the Ole Miss fans. They they should know what feed Moncrief means. There's this whole YouTube meme video that a friend of mine from high school created called Feed Moncrief. Um, he was one of the star wide receivers for Ole Miss. Okay. But he had like what five drops against the Patriots, and it, he was targeted like ten times and had like two receptions. He was terrible. Yeah, rough rough week one for Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. That did not help my um, first round pick, James Conner. They'll probably bounce back. They'll be fine. Yep, yep. Um, so you sent over this pretty fancy-looking Excel spreadsheet. We've got tabs. We've got pivot tables. Mm. What what am I looking at here? How do we how do we digest this? All right. So so like I was saying, I, I like to go back and look at the draft results. And, and one of the one of the questions I've always had and wanted to visualize for some time and I finally had the time to do it is kind of tracking the results of the draft through the season. So we always look at, you know, who is a first round pick, third round pick, fifth round pick, et cetera, through mock drafts and then up until draft. And then we kind of forget about the draft once the season starts because it's it's mostly irrelevant. But I'm my curiosity is, well, how did that pan out over the course of the season? And like, you know, what players were injured, you know, what first round picks actually panned out, what, you know, deep sleepers panned out, what, what round were they, you know, what round did you get them in that kind of thing. And so what I wanted to do is take, um, fantasy output, which is the points scored per player per week and overlay that with the draft results. So by round by pick. Um, and, and so what we've got here and I'll, I'll send out probably the sheet or some, some version of the sheet uh, in the group me for people to peruse, but it's just um, the entire draft. So all 180 picks um, by team, by player, and then their output um, this last week. Um, and then I've also got that in a combined view, which is kind of your snake draft board view. Um, so you can easily see high performers, low performers by round and by team. 
Um, and what it, what it generally shows you is kind of how consistent were individual teams and or how did rounds, rounds pan out in terms of being valuable or less valuable for, um, for everyone. Um, and so, so it gives some kind of interesting trends to spot, um, which, which may be some of which we can talk through. Yeah. Tell us, tell us what you've gleaned so far. All right. So I've got, I got two ways of, of looking at this. One is by round and one is, is by team. So maybe we'll do a little, little bit of ping pong between those two. Um, so the, my first kind of observation in looking at this data by round, so it was actually a trivia question for you. Um, my question is what two top players this last week, they were drafted in the same round. What draft, what round were they drafted in? Ooh. Without um, cheating. Yeah, I'm going to say the seventh round. Very close. So the top two performers in fantasy this last week were? Sammy Watkins. Correct. And Lamar Jackson. That's correct. Are, are my two guesses. Okay. Those are correct guesses. You were around off in uh, being uh, around too soon. So they were both drafted in the eighth round. So Lamar Jackson was drafted in the eighth by Robert. And Sammy Watkins was drafted in the eighth by Sumner, scoring Lamar scoring 43.6 points and Sammy scoring 42.3 points in our scoring format, um, which gives a little bit more points to the touchdowns for Lamar. So he was the top performing fantasy player. So first observation is you can get a lot of value in later drafts. You know, neither of those, Sammy or Lamar, were first round, second round, third round picks. So that was kind of my first observation was just middle of the pack of course that also goes to the boom bust nature of of matchups and games and players one week anybody can go off and if you go back and look at 2018 week one you probably have some similar results and then looking at the next week it's probably nothing at all like that that first week so that's kind of my first buy round observation so um and actually, let's let's stay with the buy round observations. My second one is, let's go look at who you think would have the highest performing players by round, which would be what round? Round one. That's right. Let's look at round one picks. So Steven drafted Saquon Barkley, 15.9 points, middle of the pack, okay game. Matt drafted Christian McCaffrey, which was one of the highest performing players. And so that was a round one pick that that was a boom pick at least for round one. Caleb drafted Alvin Kamara, 20 points. That's fine. Cody, Nick Chubb, 10 points. Major letdown for a first round pick. David Johnson, 22. Good pick, but not great. Devontae Adams, bust, 5.6 points. Let's go to some other busts. Let's skip to Odell Beckham, 10.6 points. James Conner, 8.5 points. Julio Jones, 12.1. Ezekiel Elliott, 12.8. That's you. Um, and then we've got DeAndre Hopkins with 27 and Michael Thomas with 17. So overall combined for 200 points, round one. Let's see. Let's go look at round eight, 152 points. So seven rounds difference, but only 48 points difference in terms of total round points for between round one and round eight. It's another by round observation. Um, and then the lowest performing round, what round would you say would be the lowest performing round? Uh, so, I mean, this one's a little bit tricky. So the, the last round you're taking probably kickers, right? So, um, you know, I could see them. Generally, yeah. unless you're Travis and drafting Gostowski in the sixth. Right, right, right. <laughs> Great strategy. Um, highly, right. highly recommend. Mm -hmm. So I could see... Um, you know, like the 14th round being the low round instead of like the 15th, 16th, because, you know, you're not really getting starter material. You're you're grabbing some some guys to stash on your bench. You're looking for high upside, possibly with an injury, but not necessarily guys getting getting work at the beginning. So I would guess like the 14th round before you start getting to those kickers and defenses that that'll be starting for you. Mm -hmm. It's close. The 14th round was the second least performing round, uh, but actually the least performing round was round 12. Um, and if you look at who was drafted in round 12, it's mostly uh, 
deep sleeper picks, you know, big risk players that could blow up and could finally have their season, um, but did not, at least this week, perform. Um, that round consisted of Damian Harris, zero points. Kiki Kuti did not play, zero points. Jalen Samuels, basically a backup to James Conner, got one point. Edo Smith, also backup slash maybe could steal touches from Devonta Freeman, four and a half points. McCall Hardman, zero points, even though Tyree Kill was out for most of the game. Deshaun Hamilton, one and a half points. Anthony Milt, big fat zero, even though he played. And Alexander Madison, 4.9 points. You did have Jameson Crowder, who was the one bright spot that round, 17 points. And Justin Jackson was six and a half points. But for the most part, just a, a big fat failure of sleeper picks that round, which I'm sure is different for every league. But for our league, we we did a pretty jab, bad job of picking sleepers in the 12th round. <laughs> so that's that's kind of my analysis by by round, which is interesting. And then um, a few observations by team. Um, one of the things that I've done here, and I'll send this out, is is conditional formatting based off of the points scored by pick. So ideally what you're looking for as a team is to have, um, you know, a pretty consistent, um, in this case, I have them colored green and the density of the green is the amount of points that they scored. And so light green is less points, dark green is more points. So what you want is a pretty consistently heavy green throughout the rounds, um, or at least throughout your high picks. And then can kind of trail out towards the, the back end of the draft. Um, but you kind of see interesting trends by team by taking a look at where they got most of their points from, some of which I've already commented on, like Cody getting a lot of his points from Deshaun Jackson in the 13th round. He got 31 points from Deshaun Jackson, um, 29 points from Phillip Rivers in the 11th round, and then uh, 21 points from Larry Fitzgerald in the, the 9th round. Um but if you look by team, you can also kind of look at total points drafted. So not just how many did they play week one, which is their total points, um, you know, that you'll see in Yahoo, but how many points did they actually draft? So not just on their starting roster, but also on their bench. But in this case, it's interesting because the leading point drafter was Matt. However, the caveat there is that his leading player drafted he dropped before the beginning of week one. And that is Dak Prescott in round 11, scored 41 and a half points, tried to trade with the caveat that he was going to drop him anyway. No one wants what they could otherwise get for free on the waiver wire in a trade. So no one traded for Dak Prescott. Seth picked him up and he is now on Seth's team, but Seth did not draft him. So if you kind of look at total points drafted, Matt won that race at 248 points which no one drafted over 200 points total uh, across the league. Robert was second with 196 points, kind of getting to your who do you fear the most. Robert had a pretty consistent draft throughout, having lots of 20-plus point players between David Johnson, Mark Ingram, T.Y. Hilton, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, um, and then lots of other two-digit scores between the Ravens defense, Robbie Gould as kicker, um, and then, uh, Josh Gordon, um, kind of bringing up the, the back end of that. Um, so that's, that's another way to look at it. So Matt won, but dropped Dak, which, which went to Seth's team. So speaking of Seth, Seth, uh, drafted less than a hundred points, 93 points. So he tallied, I think what, 60 something points was his final score. Yeah. I want to say like 62 um, against you. Yeah. Um, and he did not draft many more points than that. So it's not like he had many, many people on his, on his bench that he could, that he could pull from. However, it's interesting because what was true of Matt is also true of Seth, that his highest point player that he drafted, he also dropped before the start of week one. However, that player is Kirk Cousins, who he replaced with Dak Prescott, who was Matt's highest drafted player before week one. So Seth and Matt have something weird going on between between those those fun, very cherry picked stats. Yeah, I don't. Maybe they have a bond. I don't. I don't know exactly how to describe it or explain it, but I don't like it. I'm I'm <laughs> suspicious of it. <laughs> Is it collusion? I don't know. I'm not. 
Is that what we call I'm it? I'm not at the point to say that yet. I don't just want to throw that out without proof. So I'm not going to. But I'm not not going to say. But I think you just but I think you just did. I'm just saying I don't know what it is. I don't like it. So um and one other team that I wanted to call out is is Sean's team. So looking at his draft, he even though who who is high ceiling low floor is that Robert? That's Robert. Sean is so giving me the I blood. Think that Sean actually Sean actually has the highest ceiling lowest floor team because he has looking at his week 1 results by his draft has some really high performing players between DeAndre Hopkins, Le'Veon Bell, Austin Eckler with 36 points in the 5th round, Mark Andrews with 20 points in the 10th round, Justin Tucker but you look at the rest of his roster that he drafted, and there's there's a lot of big fat zeros. Some of that is because they are not playing, like Melvin Gordon in the fourth, or AJ Green in the seventh is injured. Um, Kareem Hunt suspended in the fourteenth. Golden Tate suspended in the fifteenth. Uh, Ty Montgomery played but scored less than one point. Um, he also locked up the entire Chargers backfield between um, Justin Jackson. Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon. So he's got a lot of, a lot of waste on his roster. Uh, Devonta Freeman in the third round scored 2.6 points. Um, so he had a great week. He performed well, but if I were Sean, I'd be, I'd be worried about depth looking at, looking at kind of the consistency of points across the board, but he also like dropped half his team looking at the league activity so yeah was, maybe he's maybe he's rebuilding i was about to say I, i'm pretty sure golden tate's gone cream hunt might also be gone so he's already moved moved on from a couple of those suspended guys mm-hmm. but yeah interesting yeah, so that's interesting draft yeah so that's that's kind of that's why i put these these stats together it's something i'm interested in throughout the season what i'd love to do is kind of track player activity too. So, you know, as players get dropped or put on injured reserve or transferred to other teams, kind of looking back on the draft at the end of the season, how did it pan out? I think would be, would be really interesting. Absolutely. And this is just after week one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Long season. So yes. Um, I think this is a fascinating thing you've put together. I'm excited to, to see how these trends change and shift over the the course of a 16 game season. Yeah, this is, this is my best uh, Caleb impersonation. It's a poor one, but I only, I only can hope to one day be like him. I mean, you'll probably get your own theme music for that segment. So I have the power. (laughs) Love it. Um, Cool. Well, anything else you want to, you want to hit us with any group me interactions uh, you want to comment on any general trash talk? No, but well, so one thing I'm, I'm interested to talk about is this is also the first. So today is Wednesday, which is the day that waivers clear. So this is the first week of the season where we have had fab budget used for waivers and it was an interesting one so i i'm i'm curious to hear jamie your take on the output of waiver wire pickups and what went down part of what would part of which was represented in group me um earlier yeah, today. So I, I think the biggest story was and this this kind of fits in with your dart if you look at trey's draft uh you'll notice somewhere around the 12th round he takes a rookie tight end um Hawkinson from Detroit Mm, you know I didn't even know that I did did not notice that he actually drafted Hawkinson that's insane yes TJ Hawkinson was a trade draft pick um that that he came out of the, the draft with him ends up dropping him before the first game he goes off looks like Gronkowski one of the most prolific rookie tight end performances in a week one ever and if if you read any articles if you do some research you know that rookie tight ends typically struggle their first year and historically have not been fantasy assets 
So there's a lot of reason to be skeptical, skeptical about a rookie tight end um, and his, his fantasy output for the year. So Trey drops him completely understandable, but then he goes off 22 points, nine targets, 131 receiving yards, scores a touchdown. Um, you know, there's, there's some reason to think that, you know, if, if he's not putting up those numbers all year, which are highly unlikely that he'll still see a decent amount of targets, he'll score some touchdowns and has big play capability. So Trey drops $100. Another way to say that a hundred percent of his, his fab, uh, to get him back to get his boy. And I don't think anybody saw that coming. Yeah, that was that was crazy, and uh, yeah, that's a whole other dimension. Which is, it's it's crazy that he used an eleventh round pick on him and did not want to see him play, or did not wait to see him play, and then has to blow while it was a hundred percent of his budget, now fifty percent of his budget to get him back. I guess that I, I'm assuming that part of that was the the knowledge that he had once had him and felt like he needed to have him again. I mean, yeah, he could be a great pickup, you know, akin to a to a George Kittle of last year or two years. Was it last year? Yeah. That George Kittle's emergency. Yeah. So he was yeah. he was an emerging tight end star and is now one of the top tight ends in the league. Yep. Crazy. So you alluded to it, but apparently at some point in the morning, Travis has a chat with Trey. Turns out that Trey didn't know that the fab changed to $100 this year. I believe it was 200 last year. And he only meant to bid half his budget. Um, I I don't know. I feel like I'm not overly sympath- sympathetic to that to that plight. Um, you know, I think it says in the app like how much money you have to bid on these things. And mm-hmm. as you're putting in your $100 bid, um, you know, I... I don't know. I think I would have had a little less grace as a commissioner, but I'm not the commissioner. And, you know, it sounds like Trey's getting $49 back. So how much, how much of this do you think has to do with the fact that Trey's team is named? Yes, yes, Mr. Commissioner. And there has been this riff and divide between Trey and Travis. And then Travis actually offering Trey the commissioner spot and Trey turning it down. Um, I, I think this is life in, in the first reboot, you know, I think Mm. there's, there's positive punishments. There's, there's a little more grace. So, uh, you know, I think we, we just have to roll with it for a while. And, uh, all all I'm saying is, you know, mind your finances, Trey, you're not getting, you're not getting a second, second chance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's only got fifty dollars to spend now. So, speaking of looking at the, let's see, does it give us? I want to know how much fab people have left. All right, so Matt, surprisingly, how much do you think Matt has left? Uh, I mean, I I don't think Matt spent a ton of money, so I I think like ninety eight dollars or ninety seven dollars. Yeah, he's got he's got ninety six left. Okay. Yeah, I think the second big spender was Caleb. Yeah, so that that absolutely surprised me. Spending, I mean, he's got fifty two dollars left after week one, um, and and he is also the most lucid to be able to to make a last you know last minute call since he's on a different time zone and waivers actually clear when he's up and awake and versus the rest of us it's in the middle of the night, but. That was that was surprising to me that he was the second biggest spender of the evening after Trey, you know, dropping fifty dollars slash hundred dollars on Hawkinson. But plenty of folks didn't didn't spend any money between Cody, Seth, you didn't spend any, Steven, and Robert have spent nothing. So you've got your full budgets left. Sumner's got ninety. Um I've got ninety-seven. And then you've got Travis at 83, Sean with 70. Yeah, so some folks are depleting pretty quickly, which I guess makes sense. Like, you know, players are more valuable if they can play for your entire season as opposed to if you hold on to money and then 
only spend it in the last, you know, four games, but you could also be going off of very little data with just, just week one performances. So it's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because for that, that point that you said is the data that we got from week one is way more valuable than, you know, the speculation and the preseason and, Mm -hmm. you know, all these things of like, Oh, I think this is going to happen or this might happen. You know, we actually got a real concrete data point of what these coaches are thinking, how they're going to utilize guys. But it's such a small sample size. A lot of these guys didn't play in the preseason. So you're you're getting some of that rust and, you know, it's it's not the best football that you're going to have. So even though it's, it's the best data that we have so far, you know, week two is almost like another week one of, oh, all of these, these assumptions that I made based off of last week may not necessarily be true either. So at least between week one and week two, you can start to spot trends. Yep. When it's just one week of data, there is no trend. It's right. just, it's just, it's a, it's like flipping a coin in some cases. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think I put in bids on Malcolm Brown and Marquise Brown as well. Um, they were a little bit lower. They were guys that, you know, I, I think it'd be valuable to roster one of them. Um, and I thought provided me a little bit more upside than some of the other guys on my bench. Um, but you know, wasn't at that point where I was like, yeah, one of these guys is definitely going to be a season long difference maker for me. Yeah. It's, there were a lot of, lot of rookie wide receivers that performed really well in week one. But if, if history does tend to repeat itself, then rookie wide receivers do not typically do well across the majority, across the duration of the season. Now, every once in a while you can back and, you know, come back and bite you like Odell Beckham was a rookie wide receiver that no one drafted and then was one of the top performers that season. But um, they are more boom or more, more bust than they are boom for sure. Um, But I actually, I tried to get Hawkinson and I, I thought I was being pretty aggressive by putting in a $30 bid. And then I woke up and saw, I didn't get Hawkinson. So I was at first upset. And then I saw who got him and for how much, Holy cow. Trey got him for all of his budget. Yeah. Going all in really wanted him. Yes. And then things dropped back a little bit, but still half your budget um, on a tight end. It's a a strong move for a guy that you drafted. Yeah. That's that he got for free. Could have, could have just held him. Yep. Yeah. That. And I think I love the classic Matt move of pick up Randall Cobb for $1 at 1241 AM. And then <laughs> drop Randall Cobb for Carolina defense at one fifty nine a.m. That's another data point that I like to look at is the number of moves by team. Oh, he did the same thing with Ronald Jones too. Can we just check out of the four dollars that Matt has spent? Are any of those guys on his roster? So Matt has made eleven moves, which is by far the most of the league. Uh, the next. Most move maker is Sean with seven moves. Um, and then Travis with six and then Caleb and you, Jamie at four Trey and Seth with three myself and Sumner with two. And then Steven, of course, Robert and Cody have made no moves, but Matt with a whopping 11 moves. That's amazing. Are you able to track down his his acquisitions? Uh, well, it's Matt, so it's not that straightforward, right? So his first his first move is he adds. Is that his first move, or does it go back even further? Okay, yeah, that that's his first move. First move is to add Darren Waller, two dollars, and this is, I believe, right after the draft. Mm-hmm. So like he could have just pressed the add free agent button, did not have to bid. Um, well, te- technically, oh, there was a waiver period. Yes. There's a waiver period after the draft, like two days after the draft. Okay. So if you so, missed out on so- someone on the draft, you have to buy them until two days after and they become free agents. Gotcha. So he adds Darren Waller for $2 drops him for Mason Crosby. <laughs> <laughs> I 
which is amazing in hindsight now that Darren Waller was one of the hottest tight end pickups this week. Yeah. And then Sean gets Darren Waller on September 5th. So before these games. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he doesn't have him. And then he spends $1 on Randall Cobb, $1 on Ronald Jones and drops both of them immediately. So I don't, I don't know. This might be, this might be 40 chess while we're playing Enneagram checkers, but because Matt is in first place, one and oh, with the highest scoring point tally of the week. Highest score in the league. There's a method to the madness. Yeah. I, I can't see it. I love psychoanalyzing Matt's fantasy performances. It's my favorite pastime. Turn the roster. He's he's a big proponent of Always. It. Oh yeah. Churning. Man, I remember when Matt was just learning about fantasy football. I gave him some tips and tricks. And now look at him. Look at him go. Fly his little wings. He's doing it. He's really doing it. Proud of him. Who do we got coming up tomorrow? Thursday night. Is that the Thursday night games? It's the Panthers and Buccaneers. Okay. Jameis Winston redemption I, game. Cam Newton redemption game. QB. I mean, both QB redemption game. Dunk it up. Yes. That would be fantastic. If Cam redeems himself, I am at least more confident that Cam will redeem himself than Jameis will. Famous Jameis, man, his, his pick six. Richard Sherman, that was amazing. Yeah. Incredible. He is a bad quarterback. He is terrible. Even Bruce Arians can't resurrect him. Well, I mean, even last year, you know, if you're streaming defenses, you want to find someone playing Jameis. But he also had a number of games where he throws for 400 yards and four touchdowns. So, right. You know, right. You, which. Str- Speaking of streaming defenses against the Bucks, guess who's doing that? Matty Ice picked up the Panthers. Dropped Randall Cobb for him. There's a there's a method to the madness. <laughs> he could have just bid on he, Panthers. He, he could but... have just gotten the Panthers. I I don't know why yeah, he had free. to go through Randall Cobb. Possibly a misdirection play. Yeah, all all great things go through current or former Packers players. That is his belief. Oh, uh, there it is. Okay. Yeah. Life lesson. <laughs> well, Caleb took my week one lesson and picked up players with the last name Brown. So, mm. but he picked up, he just picked up one, right? Two Malcolm and Marquise. Oh, wow. He didn't get who got, um, uh, who was the Redskins wide receiver? Uh, I think Sean picked him up. Okay. McLaurin. Yeah. Yeah. Another guy that I, and this was probably week one bias, but I still don't really want any part of the Redskins offense. They look bad. Um, Although they, they they surprisingly went up 17-0 on the Eagles early, which was insane. Yeah. But sure enough, dropped it all. Oh, also um, another, another I drafted you but dropped you and need to buy you back, Adrian Peterson on the Redskins from Travis Bikelsey. Spent $17 on him. And yeah, that's, that's another one. I don't want that. Sean picked up Chris Thompson for free. And I think that might've been the better play. Oh, totally. For sure. We, we will see. Yes, we will. I think, I think Caleb needs to go all in on the Brown. He needs to purchase every player by the last name of Brown, or if they're on the Browns team and then rename his team. I think he just needs to go all in. What can Brown do for you? (laughs) UPS UPS slogan. Speaking of Marquise Brown, he is he is questionable this uh, week. I think he was questionable last week too. That's right, because he only played twelve snaps. Yeah. And he scored twenty eight points. So the fact that he played last week, I think he might miss some practice time this week again, but I'd assume he has to be out in the lineup unless there's a setback. Yeah. I love I love looking at I love looking at the league activity. It's great. Life is happening again. You're not just staring at a wall anymore. Yeah. Moving moving landscape. I think that's all I got. Yep. We're we're over an hour in, which gets unwieldy to edit after an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how are you gonna get this down to twenty minutes? <laughs> um I'll cut out all of my talking <laughs> and then we'll be good. It'll just be the Jamie show. That's that's like my worst nightmare. 
Sweet. Uh, I mean, one of us has to, to do some type of outro. I guess, I guess I can do that. Cool. With all the love I have for fantasy football in this league and all of you people, go fall in a well. Go fall in a well. Go